Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and today I have the unbelievable pleasure of hosting someone on my show. And to give you an idea of how much I'm happy to do this show today, um, they're making me do this show on a Monday. My recording days are on a Thursday, so I'm doing this three days early because they asked me to. Um, you guys are in for an absolute treat. I saw her speak at Expert Empires in November 2019. Um, immediately connected with her like prior going on stage and then afterwards we had a great conversation so it was fun uh, i got her book and i can already tell you it is starting to generate business even though i've not used it all entirely which is kind of crazy so with that being said i want to introduce and welcome our guest for the day sam rathling or as i like to call her or sam rathling because she's <laughs> awesome. um sam welcome to the show and thanks for being thanks here for having me i'm excited to be here I'm glad that you're here. It's been crazy because I know we've both had an insane schedule. You've had a crazy schedule since like you've just been running around everywhere, speaking, doing things in London, out of London. It's It's been an insane couple of weeks for you. It has, yeah. My feet haven't really touched the ground actually since I stepped off that stage. So uh, yeah, it's been an incredible couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's hard to believe this was only three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Three or four weeks ago, that's the last time we met, and it just feels yeah. like a freaking lifetime. It does, indeed. Yeah, so much has happened. But real quick shout-out to our sponsors for this episode, which, again, you are part of. So, guys, go check out LinkedInbound. Uh, is that the website, LinkedInbound? LinkedInbound.co.uk. Yep, .co.uk. Get the book as well, by the way, if you can, because it is one of the most easiest, straightforwardest books that you could actually ever pick up. That's very to the point. Me, I like strategy books. Don't get me wrong. They're amazing. But what really bugs me is when there's no actual steps afterwards. Like, okay, now what do I do with it? It's like, go out and do it. Do what? Figure it out. This is very much like, nope, here's what you need to do. Here's an example and here's how you apply it. It's literally one of the best books on social selling out there. This show is also sponsored by Sam Rathling. Is it .com or .co.uk? .com. SamRathling.com. Yep, this show is going to be sponsored by, is sponsored by SamRathling.com. By the time this episode airs and goes live, you guys will be able to go check it out. Hire Sam for speaking gigs, attend her master classes, and get everything that is amazing that she does. Because trust me, she's incredible. And of course, finally, this episode is sponsored by Story Selling Blueprint, the place that you guys go to figure out how to sell your shit using your stories, using my formulas that have generated over $700 million in sales. So happy fun times there. Today's episode is going to be a little bit longer, so let's just dive right into it. So Sam, one of my first questions I really have for you more than anything is why the hell LinkedIn? Because you've been on it for like 16 years. I, I, didn't have, know, yeah. I didn't know LinkedIn has been around since 2003. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing um, strategy. Very few people recognize it's one of the oldest social media platforms out there. So for me, my journey started when I was in recruitment. So LinkedIn for me back then was my tool to find amazing talent and headhunt people. Um, and I spent a couple of years kind of playing around with LinkedIn from a recruitment perspective. And then I became an entrepreneur in 2005, started my own business in the recruitment sector, but suddenly found myself having to generate leads and business and clients, as well as obviously finding great people. So I've been, you know, playing around with LinkedIn. I'm completely self-taught. I've never been on a LinkedIn course or um, training or anything like that. Everything I've done is through, you know, failing, failing, failing. I've probably done, I don't know, 30,000 hours, I reckon, at this stage of time spent within the platform it's just my favorite tool. It's, um, I, I think LinkedIn, especially at the moment, is 
since the Microsoft acquisition in 2016, they bought Microsoft bought LinkedIn for $26.2 billion. Wow. And since that happened, initially there was some kickback, you know, because they made some changes that people didn't like. But now, like, they've just turned it into this amazing platform where organic reach, like free reach, is just unbelievable. Yeah. And I think it's where Facebook was three, four years ago. So I, for me, I'd it's... go further and say that it was where Facebook was about 2011. I mean, wow. that's, Gary, Gary, that's what Gary Vaynerchuk was saying. It's like LinkedIn today is where Facebook was in 2011, yeah. which by the way, for the people that aren't old enough to remember Facebook in 2011, it was the wild west. I mean, seriously, I remember when Facebook first had no friend cap limit. Do you remember those days? Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> there was a guy that had 32,000 friends on Facebook and then it got capped at 5,000. Wow. Yeah, crazy, right? Well, LinkedIn's 30,000 still, so we're good with 30,000. I'm quite happy that LinkedIn is 30,000 and not 5,000. So. Agreed. I've only got like 500 connections on there so far. So I'm, by the way, if you guys are looking to connect with me on LinkedIn, my link will be in the description below. Or just, you know, find me because I have the world's most unique name ever. So just find Adela Marcy and you'll find me. <laughs> That's the one downside of having a super unique name is everyone finds you. There's no escape. Yeah. It depends how you look at it. I guess you could look at that in a good way. Or like, there's only oh, on one other Sam Rothing, as far as I know, and he's this CEO dude of an IT company. And I tried to connect with him on the whole name thing, and he didn't. He didn't connect with me. So you say no, I'm screw you, bot, <laughs> bot person. No, but no. For me, it's always a good thing. It's just a unique yeah. way of uh, figuring shit out, which is fun. Now. I love the fact that you actually are self-taught because 30,000 hours of doing anything you get really, really good at. It's like the same with copywriting. I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure I've done a crap load more hours than I know what to do with Seven Tractum. But that's what makes us masters in our, in our field. That's what makes mm -hmm. us the expert. So, my, so something I'm really curious about because LinkedIn for me is, it's still a heavy burden of a beast. I'm starting to enjoy it more, but mm -hmm. I swear to God, the only reason I'm starting to enjoy it is because A, you made me enjoy it. And B, <laughs> because you turned it into a competition for me. Yes, like, gamification, that, competition. I, I am, it's so terrible. Like, have you ever heard of Muse headbands? No. Okay, so a Muse headband, which I actually have right in front of me, is a meditation band that makes you look like you're from the future. For the guys at home that don't know, I'll put an image up or something like that. Nice. So these Muse headbands are kind of amazing. because My friend Alex Sharfin never shuts up about them. And I was like, all right, I'm going to buy one because it helps you, you know, calm your mind and track your meditation. What, what he didn't tell me was it also tracks how calm, how active, and how whatever your brain is, and then gives you a percentage every time you use it. So it's now it's become a game for me to beat my own calmness meditation. It's like 15%, screw you, get that up to 65. <laughs> it's, it's the ultimate way of getting me to do anything. It's just make me compete for it. So with you, uh, one of the big um, places I've struggled with with LinkedIn was basically figuring out how to put it all together. And you cover this brilliantly in your book, but it's actually more the bio section I'm curious about mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't use that correctly. They kind of put a little bit in there. They think they should talk about themselves. So others think they should talk about their clients. Personally, I'm in the middle where you should talk about both people, like a little about who you are and then showcasing your client's success. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest that people that are struggling with their bio do besides buying your book because they should totally buy your book <laughs> well thank you for that um i think the first thing before you do anything on linkedin or any social media platform you've got to really figure out like who is your customer like who is it that you actually want to be targeting specifically within the linkedin environment so 
I always say to people that LinkedIn is a much higher demographic. So you're generally going to find clients that have, um, are more likely to buy at the top end of your product range. So think about your, who would write the biggest check for what you do and focus on that person within your bio. So when you're writing it, imagine that that person, your dream client is reading your profile and it's got to speak to that person in terms of um, credibility, but also then really understand, you demonstrating that you understand their pain and their frustration. So I agree with you, it's a combination of a little tiny bit about who you are and your credibility in your space, but primarily it's got to be all about the client. Um, so I use a framework called the ideal client template, um, mm -hmm. which is an acronym. The I stands for kind of the industry that you want to focus on. So what industry do you want that dream client to be in? Um, the D stands for demographics. So it's all about what size of company, what revenue do you want them to have? How long have they been established? Like all the different things that make that company or that ideal client um, relevant to you. Um, the E is more about the experience. So that is who inside the company do you want to get to? Is it HR? Is it the finance team? Is it the C-suite, the chief executive? Like who do you actually want to connect with? Because once you figure that out, then you can tailor your content and your messages and your profile to that person. Um, and then you also need to be thinking about the attributes of that company. So what kind of culture they have? Are they fast paced? Are they scale up? Are they traditional set in their ways? Are they family fun? You know, like just think about the kind of attributes they have. And usually that will align with your own values. And then finally, the location. So where do you want that client to be? So once you figure out the ideal client template, then you can kind of start to really think about your bio and your profile speaking directly to that person. And then once you've got that in your head, you need to then think, right, well, what is it I actually do for those people? And what struggles and pains and frustrations do they have that I can fix? Because if your bio speaks to them in that language, then they're more likely to connect with you um, and accept your connection request in the first place and also start a conversation with you if you resonate with them. That makes sense. That makes complete sense, especially with if you really understand exactly what's going on specifically to give you guys an idea. I did this with a new service that Nick actually gave me uh, the name of, which I've been offering for years but never had the name of. Like, have you ever done that where you sat there and you're like, I don't know what the fuck to call this thing. You speak yeah. to someone else and then within 10 seconds of like, they go, That's boom, the... you should call it this. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is when Nick did that to me, I was like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake. His only response back to me was like, oh, by the way, guys, just so you know, he's an excellent copywriter. Just when you're too close to your own <laughs> shit, you don't exactly. remember. That's why you have to have friends. Um, socials exactly. help. So we launched 60minsalesletter.com. Uh, specifically for the LinkedIn market. Like the ideal client that we have is a business owner that's busy. They want fast paced results, but they don't want to fork out 18, 20, $35,000 or up to 70 grand mm -hmm. for copy. They want something done quickly and they're willing to do a rev share. Yeah. Literally started to tailor my content to that. I'm start, I literally the first day I wrote, by the way, I've got this new service called 60 million sales letter. By the way, here we go, blah, blah, blah. I had three new leads out of that one post. And the yep. website wasn't even alive. It wasn't even bought. The domain was just like sitting in my cart still. So I was like, I, I think that. Sam's onto something <laughs> a little bit. You know? I think I should do the social media thing a little bit more. But curiously about one of the problems that I always seem to have and have had for a long time is understanding what content to actually uh, give away. Because again, I've done this for so long what content do I share? Do I share my client's case studies? Do I share the wins? Do I share the losses? Do I share the vulnerability? Do I share my process? Do I share uh, how I get my clients or whatever it is? Because 
I'm in a very weird position where for LinkedIn and social media in general, I'm both a copywriter attracting clients. So I'm also teaching other copywriters how to build their businesses because I'll, I'll level with you. Most copywriters that are teaching are shit. Uh, there's only a handful of them that can actually have the ability to both teach and be good. It's a mm -hmm. very rare dichotomy. So my question is, how do you come up with the right content specifically geared for these, if you have multivariant groups that you're working with? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, I mean, I teach kind of 12 different themes for content. Um, I think there's no, you know, there's no right or wrong and there'll be different things in each person's industry that will be, will work better. So there's 12 different kind of ideas I can give you in terms of like the types of content and then, or themes for content. And then there are four different ways that you can post on LinkedIn. So if you think about the themes, my favorite ones, let me give you my favorite ones. So my favorite one is kind of documentary style posts where you're just kind of documenting what you're up to. Gary Vee's brilliant at this, Russell Brunson, like there's loads of like kind of top people out now being followed around by videographers, just, you know, and I'm not saying you have to be that extreme, but just literally sharing what you're doing is a way to sell without selling. So if you were working on some copy, for example, for a particularly big client, or you were doing some work and you couldn't necessarily share who the customer was or who the client was, you could be kind of, it's almost like pulling back the curtains on your business and showcasing like what you're doing. Um, so quite often I'll do documentary posts where I'm just sharing what I'm up to. So if I'm in a workshop or I'm delivering a masterclass or I'm working on, you know, like I'll do a post about us doing the podcast. This is a, what I'm up to type post. So I'll post a piece of content today about doing this podcast with you. Um, and I think content is just all around you. People just don't realize it. So they, yeah. they try and overthink content and try and think I've got like, what do I need to post today? Whereas, I mean, I've got at the moment, I've got um, a, a transcript happening at the same time as me talking to you, which will turn this into an article. So I'll have a long form piece of content, which will turn it into, I'm sure by the end of this, I'll probably have at least 10, 15 types of posts that I can put out over the next couple of weeks because I'm using an app called Otter as I talk to you, which is recording. Otter's amazing. It um, is. And I am transcribing in real time as I speak to you. So every time you're doing anything in your business, that's a piece of content effectively. So documenting what you're up to is a really, really good thing to do. So just by me sharing that I'm doing your podcast, I'll probably get other people who come towards me after I posted saying, Hey, can you be on my podcast type thing? So you'll drive inbound conversations from people just by sharing what you're doing. So if you were working on a, you said to me before we jumped on the podcast, like all these different projects that you were working on just by sharing a couple of those projects and what the, why the customer came to you in the first place and what pains that they had and what, you know, the reasons that they outsourced to you for their copy and um, that will drive people towards you going, hang on a second, I've got that problem. I never get time to write my own copy. Can we have a conversation about how you might be able to help me? So inbound leads should come every single time you post. Um, and that, if, if that's not happening, then there's something wrong with the copy or it's not about the copy. It's more about like the message. So people try and oversell in their content yeah. and you don't need to sell in content. If you just use content to build your credibility, build trust, get people to know, like, and know, know, like, and trust, trust you. you. Yeah. They'll, people are following you all the time. Like you have no idea. People may not be liking, commenting, sharing your stuff, but they're watching and it might, they just might not be ready to buy yet. And then they might need a few months of seeing you consistently in the newsfeed before they're ready to step forward, before they're ready to engage, before they're ready to talk to you. But if you just consistently do the content side of things, 
you'll be in the top kind of 3% of people because most people on LinkedIn don't actually post. They're very kind of lurking in the background, just watching what's going on, but they're not actually posting themselves. So it doesn't take long to kind of build your brand and kind of position yourself as the go-to person within the LinkedIn environment if you do it well. That's actually really good to know and more ideas to come. By the way, do you ever? So that's what, yeah. Documenting is a good. Documenting one. is a good tons. one. There's, I mean, educational is obvious is an obvious right. one where you're giving your expertise. Um, but you give, 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 and add value. Like you don't need to sell when you give education. Like people will be like, "Oh, I didn't know that," and they'll they'll start to follow you. They'll share what you're doing. Um, so educating is a good one. Um, I always recommend asking a question on your content because. What you want with LinkedIn especially is you want activity to happen quite quickly on the post. And the best way to do that is to ask a question. Um, so yes. for example, I did, um, sometimes I'm just showing what I'm doing. Like I was in a hotel lobby in Paris the other day after a, a couple of days training leadership teams. And there was a really interesting hotel lobby. So I did like a 14 second pan around. It was a beautiful place. and just talked about the fact that for once, whilst I was traveling, actually felt like coming down into the environment and it was beautiful water and plants. And I just asked the question, like, what's the coolest lobby you've ever been in? So I could have just posted the video and just said, hey, I'm here in Paris. And that would have just been no engagement. But the fact that I said, what's the coolest lobby or coolest experience you've had in a hotel? Lots of people commented underneath with where their favorite place was. So it was a way to drive engagement on a post by um, asking a question. So questions are great because they, they give great answers. Agreed. It's one of the things I've actually been using a lot more in my Facebook posts right now is just asking more questions at the end of every post. I found using the right image helps because I yeah. upload, like, it's really strange. I've uploaded images that are stock images mm -hmm. um, to make a point to a, to a post of mine only to find they get less engagement. But when I post an image of myself, the engagement goes right through the roof. Though yeah. I've actually found people stop reading the post and actually just look at my photo and then like, I'm like, this is not a, <laughs> I wrote a post called the dark side of copywriting. And um, so the dark truth uh, for copywriting, at least for this one. Um, <laughs> and it was a photo of me just in Covent Garden. And it just said, uh, it, it's a dumb photo. It said something like makes chocolate or something like that. Like more chocolate downstairs or something along those lines just happened to me in the background behind me as a sign. People were like, that's a great photo. I can't believe it. You're the, uh, I was like, have you guys actually read the post yet? Because <laughs> it's a really fucked up post. <laughs> and then a couple of my friends read it. They're like, oh my God, this is brilliant. You should write more. I was like, yeah, it's what I do for a living. I'll do it for myself now. <laughs> you should write more. <laughs> the thing is, I don't write for myself. I, I write more for clients than I do for myself. Like that's the sad the truth. It's the same. Everyone always does that, right? They focus more on what they're doing for their clients and they know they should be doing it themselves. So yeah. Yeah. That's the reason why Storytelling Blueprint and all the other courses and stuff are starting to come out in January, February, and March and all the other fun stuff. And I'm speaking at different events, which hopefully I will be speaking at one day at the same event with you. So we'll see right, how yeah. that goes. I look forward to sharing the stage with you one day. Hells yes. But okay, so we've got two types of content out of the 12. So we've got documentary, we've got um, education. Could you mm -hmm. just give us like, you don't have to go into depth with them, but could you yeah. just give us like a few of the other ones? So another one would be gratitude. So kind of saying thank you to someone else in your network. That's quite a good way to put your brand in someone else's newsfeed. Um, you're sharing your personal story, your journey, um, kind of what you've learned along the way. So 
you know, if I read a, if I read a book, I've got a ton of books behind me. If I read a book, I might do a post, mention the author and say, look, I just read this awesome book. Here's the top three things I learned from it. Um, you've got kind of inspirational, motivational, they're less likely to get traction on LinkedIn, depending on what kind of following or influence you have. Um, but there'll be, you know, there's, there's so many different things, wins and successes. That's a really good one. So just sharing something really positive, you know, the LinkedIn community is really positive and supportive. So when someone has a win or a success, they don't get a load of hate, they get lots of support. Um, and it can be a really good way to drive leads as well if you do it in the right way. Um, but yeah, there's so many different things you can do. I think you just need to kind of, people listening to this, you just need to open your eyes and realize that content is all around you every single day, 24 seven, you're surrounded by content. And don't think too hard about it. You're better off to do something that isn't perfect and just start start getting it out there. If you're one of these people that's just lurking in the background and doing zero content right now, just don't overwhelm yourself. Start with one or two posts a week and see how it goes. Um, and then start ramping up. I normally recommend kind of one post a day, so five a week, something like that. Um, but if you do a great post on LinkedIn, it can last for a week and a half, two weeks. It doesn't disappear in hours. It, every new like and comment on the post drives it back to the top of the newsfeed. So, and the more and more engagement it gets, the more and more people see it. So a one decent post on LinkedIn can last you a really long time and continue to go and go and go for ages. So I do recommend engaging with the comments that you get. So every single time you get a comment, reply back and even better ask questions when you reply. So it drives conversation underneath the post as well. Um, because it's actually then going to push that post into the second and third degree connections. It won't just be your first degree people that are seeing it that you're already connected to. Your brand is suddenly then going into a much wider um, second and third degree network that don't even know who you are right now. See, that's powerful because I definitely do know the more connections that you have, the easier it is for you to actually connect with people. In fact, one of the really cool functions that you showed me uh, and everyone was finding people in rooms and connecting with them, like using the LinkedIn, like search who's nearby. Yeah. That alone helps so many ways because I do it on the tube. That's the crazy thing. I do it on the tube on the way into London and back out. I just like leave it on just like, hey, just connect with random people. You never know who's going to be on here. Um, be a little bit more targeted than me, by the way, because I just do this because I'm just trying to see like who's around me, just, you know, connect with them if we're in a similar field or have yeah. similar interests. Um, but I agree with you. So you should definitely do different types of posts, but specifically, so I'm questioning this part, would you say that you'd run five different types of posts in that same week? Or would you kind of go, okay, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to do one documentation post, one book review, one gratitude and then another documentation post, and then one of the other ones? Or would you just go, I'm keeping the same thing every single week? Like this week, I'm documenting learning piano, so I'm going to show my progression throughout this week. And that's I would generally kind of mix it up a little bit. You want, it to, you want to show different facets of you and different facets of your business. Um, so I would generally mix it up a little bit. You don't want to be putting out the same thing. One of the best ways to do that is to use the different types of posts. So You've got video posts on LinkedIn. You've got photographic posts um, where you can share photographs. You've then got your document posts, which are quite new and hardly anyone uses them. So they're brilliant for um, they're brilliant for creating PDFs and presentations where it almost looks like a book and you kind of scale it through. Um, so you can actually now upload a, a document into LinkedIn, which will actually, which I think for educational purposes. Again, it doesn't need to be like really tons of detail, but just a few bullet points on each page created in Canva or something like that can be a really, really nice 
um, way. And they tend to get a lot more engagement than some of the other posts at the moment. So document posts are great. And then if you've just got your standard text posts, which, and you'll be glad to know this, the longer the copy, the better. So on all yeah. of those style of posts, the longer the copy, the better, because LinkedIn loves to keep people in LinkedIn. And the longer your post is, the, the more the algorithm likes it. So just bear that in mind. Also bear in mind, they do have a limit of how many characters you can use because I realized this when I wrote my post and they do, put, yeah. yeah, they were like, you're over 1,900 words too long. I was like, oh, part two. Oh, that one needs to be an article then. <laughs> yeah. I just put it in part two. I'm like, there we go, part two. Two parts. Yeah. Enjoy this. Yeah. But, so you've got those and then you've got, obviously got LinkedIn live, which is not available to everyone at the moment. Um, but it is by application only. So you can apply, it takes a few months for your application to be accepted, but you do need to be doing live a lot elsewhere. You do need to have quite a big following because they're not giving it to everyone at the moment. And then, um, the last thing then is articles. So if you are more of a kind of, I want to write a lot, then articles are a good place to do that. They're just different to posts. So an article would be kind of credibility building and evergreen. It stays there on your profile forever. And a post is just going to disappear as soon as it loses its engagement um, and is a lot shorter, obviously. So articles can be really good for driving leads and pushing people out into, you know, other parts of your business. So That's incredible. Okay. That is now totally a thing that I do. Damn it. More things to do from Sam. <laughs> Well, you're already, you're probably already putting out blogs <coughs> and like copy in yeah. loads of places, right? Just no, God, no. I'm I'm so terrible for this because like what? the reason I, the reason I don't do it is because all my clients come to me from referral. Yeah, and this podcast, I'm not gonna lie, like this podcast is my godsend because I love interviewing people. But you would be surprised how many people at the end of an interview are like, because I'll, I'll I'm gonna ask you the same question at the end of the show, so I can do it live on that is if there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. And nine out of 10 times people are like, actually, I'd love to get your eye looking over this thing. And they send me something. And honest to God, sometimes it's beautiful and perfectly done. I'm like, you don't need my help on this. This is just an idea I'd give you. Other times I look at a piece of copy. I'm like, this is so atrocious. Please just send me, just send me the check right now. They're like, why? I was like, shut up. I'll make you so much money. And I've done that with one of my clients and they basically sent me a 10 grand check that night. They're like, here's a 10 grand payment, fix it. I'm like, done, happy days. But uh, yeah, I don't actually post as much as I should. Um, main reason simply being I've, I, I spent a long time, because for me, I'm, uh, I don't know if you know much about the different types of learning modalities in, in uh, the animal modalities that you have. So you have dogs, you have cats, and you have birds, I think it is. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a cat type personality, which means we don't actually notice change until one day we go do the thing and go, Oh, I'm okay. I understand now. It's like, it's just there. And you're like, Oh, it happened <laughs> rather than kind of going, I'm excited. It happened. I know what it is. It's like, we're not tracking. It just becomes, um, <laughs> so for the last three years, I've like slowly gone through this process of transforming my mind and my soul. And I've done it for years, but specifically more focused on it where I'm getting out of my own way. And one of the things I, I, I realized at the back end of 2019 was I'm scared of putting my content out there, like genuinely terrified. And I know why it is. I, I did a lot of, well, we won't say what I did a lot of, but I did a lot of um, something and a lot of journaling as well. And I came to the conclusion at the end of the other side where 
the reason I'm actually completely terrified of posting online is because I don't want to be seen. And the reason I don't want to be seen is because when I was younger, if you were seen, you were in trouble. So my mm -hmm. brain has like logic going, being seen equals being trolled, being trolled equals being in trouble and trouble means that I feel sad. Mm -hmm. Whereas now the new dynamic in my brain is by not sharing my, uh, by not sharing and showing up, I'm letting people, because I'm a competitor, I'm letting people I don't like win the game and it really annoys me. So like my want to win is greater than my want to fear. It's like, nice. damn you fear, I'm going to go win. So that's why I said, David, you, Chris, and basically uh, a few other people. Are, I've got mm -hmm. all of you guys working with me on different social media pieces. I'm like, 2020, you shall be my bitch. Yes. <laughs> You'll see me mm -hmm. everywhere, including relaunching the blog. Like, um, though, curiously, I'd love to get your opinion on this. Should I write my blog on adelamarcy.com? And by the way, feel free to chime in, guys, in the comment section when you hear this. Or should I move all my content writing that is just mostly about my own brain over to a new domain called the Digital Philosopher? Hmm. So I'm thinking I'd keep it on adelamarcy.com because it's more branded to me. Yeah. But I do like the Digital Philosopher as a domain. I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a fun domain. <laughs> Uh, I, I guess, if, well, if people at the moment are recommending you and everything comes on referral, it's your name that's the brand. Yeah. Like I have this debate with experts all the time because I mean, I've chosen specifically to call my company name and then buy Sam Rattling because at some point in the future, like I'm building an empire. So I don't want to build a business that's just based on my personal brand. So yeah. at some point in the future, if I you know, decide that I want to step back from the business or I want to exit the business or whatever, I'm building something that can be scaled um, to multi, multi millions. And then that I can, that doesn't then rely on me, if that makes sense. So yeah, most of my stuff is going through the brand and not my personal brand. Although my personal brand at the moment is the expert authority figurehead that brings all the clients in that is going to change at some point in the future. Um, but I think for you personally, in, in your world, I think that it should be on your own name. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. It was just one of those weird, fun questions. Cause it's like, huh, I wonder, I'd love to get her opinion on this. But I yeah. agree. It, it's one I of those. I like the name though. I do like the name. Yeah. I buy a lot of weird domains I think mm -hmm. sound good. I bought another one the other day, which, by the way, guys, I'm going to pause this just for a second. I'll be right back. So just, I don't want to tell this right now because just in case it doesn't come to, I'll explain. Mm -hmm. So sorry about that, guys. Just had to uh, jump off for a second just to have a little bit of a laugh there. But okay, so one of the things I really want to ask you specifically, Sam, with, is, is because LinkedIn is exactly where Facebook was about nine years ago, which mm -hmm. means engagement, organic, everything is on the rise, and there is huge opportunities here, absolutely massive. My question now comes into how do you actually transition from, hey, I like your post to, hey, let's get on a call and speak and see if we can work together. Because I do know um, from your book what something you did say was you tend to follow up with one, at least one person a week in private messages that, have, that has interacted with your content in some way, shape, or form or interacted with you to see if you guys can work together. I'm butchering that strategy entirely, by the way, right now because I know it's a little bit more elegant than that. But how, how do you actually start that conversation? Because engagement on posts is one thing, but conversations are different. Yeah, I mean, there's two, I guess there's two ways for you to drive conversations within LinkedIn. So the first one is proactively, where you are outreaching to people in your exact target market. So if you take the ideal framework that we discussed at the beginning of the podcast, um, you can find those people specifically on LinkedIn, target them, 
and send them a message, get them to connect with you and follow up with them. But there's a specific way to do that that doesn't um, involve selling or pitching or spamming um, because that's unfortunately where most people are focused at the moment. They're really using the platform to spam and sell and pitch and it's just a, not a nice thing to experience. Yep. There's a lot of people using automation to do that, which I'm very anti so if you ever get tempted by any tools or third-party things that will speed up the process of how to do that, um, avoid them at all costs because you'll get your LinkedIn account locked down. Um, and I, I j there is a way to do it, but you've got to be really focused on the end customer and think about how to approach somebody and not go straight in for the kill. So it's almost like going too early in the dating process. <laughs> To, uh, to to prospect someone. So you need to be prospecting every day and you need to be reaching out to people in your target market, but not in a selling, salesy, horrible, pitchy way. Everyone I speak to always says, oh yeah, I hate LinkedIn because you just get spammed by people that just want to sell stuff to you. And there is a way to do it and there's a way to drive leads proactively through outreach, but it's got to be done in the right way. And um, the second way to drive conversations is exactly what you've just talked about there. So Anytime someone likes or comments on one of your posts, it's an opportunity to start a conversation. Um, and then you've got the inbound leads, just like the ones you described. You know, you posted something and three, three inbound leads came in. That's, that's where the focus is to move people from an online conversation in LinkedIn to move them offline to a sales call, discovery call, an event, whatever it is that you're moving people to. Yeah. So I do prospect every single day in my LinkedIn account primarily within the corporate market, because that's my focus at the moment is to increase how many corporate clients I'm working with. So I'll approach CEOs and sales directors in very large companies, typically where they've invested significant amounts in LinkedIn sales navigator tools and they're, they're an existing LinkedIn client. They're just not using LinkedIn to its full potential. So I, I do that every single day. Um, and then I also drive many, many leads inbound from great content. So the conversations need to start online, but it's all about moving the conversation from online to the offline. And that's where the magic happens, obviously. But you just need to see LinkedIn as a platform to be able to start those relationships, build relationships, and move that to meetings, phone calls, et cetera. See, that's um, incredible. So essentially, what you'd be looking at is that everything that you're doing as, as you start building on it, because again, let's be honest, the one thing I love about your strategies the way that you do everything is you don't do the one thing that pisses me off when it comes to every speaker once you have the system in place you'll get leads every single day it's like no bitch it takes time to build up to that it takes a yeah. lot of time yeah but the thing is once you hit that automation and again i could be wrong here and of course you're the master behind this because you've seen so many people do it i'd say give it six months to a year of consistently posting this way you will make money throughout that year but at the end of year one, you'll be in a much higher place than you were at the start of like year zero. Like year one began and you're like, okay, I mean, as you put it, you're basically a caterpillar going into a cocoon. At the end of year one, you've broken out. I'd say give it a year and a half and you'll be like flying as Sam likes to say as a butterfly and, you know, attracting everything there is because you have everything at that point systematized. You understand what it is. You know what your SOP is, your standard operating procedure. But my question here in lies, and I'm going to sound really fucking annoying. I know I am, but I really want to just, cause I know I get these questions myself for the stuff that I do. Where do you begin? Like, where is the beginning? Do you start by posting content every day? Do you start by commenting? Do you start doing all of the above 
or do you just make it easy? Cause I know you have a whole rule where you can create your entire week's worth of content in one hour a week. Yeah. I think um, the first place to start for most people when they kind of start looking at LinkedIn, they just don't have a decent profile. So like yep. st start there. Like, so if you don't have a decent profile, no one's going to buy from you. No one's going to engage with you. No one's going to inbound message you because if your profile doesn't speak about who you are and what you deliver, then forget it. Like there's no point. So start, if you are just listening to this as a kind of newbie to LinkedIn, like make sure your profile looks the part um, you know, that it's fully completed, etc. Another good place to see where you're at at the moment, and we talked about this before we jumped on the podcast, is actually understanding what your social selling index is. Yes. So there's a, and you'll love this, because I know how competitive you are and you love gamification. So yep. there is a score out of 100 that each and every one of you listening to this podcast have. And I'll give you the link, and we'll put it in the, uh, the show notes as well, which is linkedin.com forward slash sales forward slash SSI. So that's linkedin.com forward slash sales forward slash SSI. And LinkedIn has something called a social selling index and it gives you a score to kind of give you an indication of where you are at the moment and how you're performing in four key areas. The area number one is building your professional brand. So that is how well you're building your effectively building your profile and how complete your profile is. Secondly, that's all about content and how much content you're putting out into the newsfeed and how much relevant content you're posting. So the first score is all based on building your brand. So if you want to become the go-to copywriting expert on the planet, like your score needs to be really high. It needs to be 24 and a half, 25 out of 25 on that particular score. Yeah. The next one is all about finding the right people. This one is purple. So when you see it on your screen, you'll see a purple tab. This one is all about how much you're proactively prospecting the people that you need to be building your network with. So like I talked about earlier, there's two ways to prospect and drive leads. This is the one where you're proactively adding people in your network who are in LinkedIn's eyes are the right people for your industry, your profile, etc. The third one is about engagement and insights. So engagement is liking, commenting, sharing, et cetera. You don't have to do much of that a day for it to get some traction, but just a few, maybe four or five likes and comments in the newsfeed, just while you're hanging around, waiting for meetings on the tube, whatever it is that you're doing, just, you know, just think about how you could um, if intelligently engage with people on the platform. And within that as well, you can score if, you, if you're doing research on companies and things like that. The last one is about building trusted relationships. So all of that gives you a score out of 100 points. So if you haven't already figured out what your score is, go check it out. Just log into LinkedIn on one tab and open up that link I gave you on another tab. And that will give you a good starting point as to where you are right now. So depending on which one of those needs work, that's where I would start. So if your orange score is really low down, but you want to become the go-to person for, for your industry, then get your profile sorted and start posting some content. If you want leads and you want to build your network of, of ideal clients and you don't have any business right now, then the purple one is important, but um, are you finding the right people and building your network is important, but there's no point in doing that unless you've sorted your profile out first. So start with the profile, then start growing your network, not just with the people you don't know. Remember, there's probably hundreds of people that you've met in your lifetime that aren't even connected to you on LinkedIn. So don't just think about cold market and people you don't know. Start with the people you already know, like think about your clients, your suppliers, people you used to work with, people you used to go to uni with, like there's so many people in your world that you've come across that know you already. And before you start going looking for customers outside of your, you know, in your target market, 
there'll be lots of people you're not even connected to on LinkedIn that you should be that are probably friends, family, etc., or existing contacts. So start there if you're, especially if you've only got a few hundred connections, just start adding people you already know as a, as a starting point because it's less scary. But also they may not realize what you're doing now, and they may also give you business or refer you. And um, then you've then got kind of engagement, which is easy to do. And if you're doing all those kind of things, you'll start to see a shift in your activity. You'll start to see a shift in your SSI. So you've, you've improved your SSI in just a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, three weeks. To give you guys an idea, because this is, I wish I took a photo of this, so I had evidence, but I do have an eidetic memory, so fun times. Um, so I'm glad that you actually were going through like the four different areas there, because like, so establishing your professional brand, I'm at 18.23 at the moment, which is amazing, because when you first did this talk and I first met you in at Expert Empires, uh, it was a, like a five or a 10. So that's already gone up. So to give you guys an idea, out of the score of 100, uh, when I started out, I had a score of 50 and you get ranked in like the top 3% and the top 22% of your network and your industry. Um, well, in different percentages for me, I was in the top 25th for my industry and top 46th percentage for my networking in three weeks, basically got that down to the top 3% and the top 22%. And I'm not even doing this full time because I've been running, doing other people's errands at the same time. So this is part time increased my fucking figures. My goal by the end of February is to get that up to like the top 1%. And I'm, I'm certain I can do it just simply because it's like three weeks, hardly trying to get there. Yeah. What do you think? Six weeks of actually putting in efforts, not going to get me there. Yeah. Of course it is. It's going to be fine. It's going to be and fun. It doesn't have to take, I think people always assume that social media has to take a long time. Like you know, 15 minutes a day, max consistently. <coughs> will get people results from LinkedIn. I teach, I do a three day masterclass and at the end of the three days, people get a 15 minute a day system. If they just did that consistently every single day, um, even, you know, if they put more time in, obviously you'll get faster results and better results, but a 50 minute a day habit can turn into, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds and lots of new clients. Um, you know, I've seen hundreds of people come through that course and we've generated like, I know you track your revenue as well. We generated 78 million um, in the last couple of months, in the last year and a half. And um, just from people applying those teachings and applying that 15 minute a day system. So it's, it doesn't have to take tons of time. It can be, you've got to just be really intentional with your time when you, when you go to use it. So you can easily get sucked into social media and before you know it, two hours have passed and you're scrolling yep. through all sorts of random stuff. But if you get really intentional and you go, right, I'm only going to go in and do this, this, and this, those three things, and then move on to your next thing, then you'll find that it will, um, you know, it will, not all consuming can we actually ask some of the stuff that you actually teach inside the 15 minutes or is that kind of like we have to attend the course to get that no no, no you can i mean it's only really just applying what i've talked about so if you think about your ssi you need to be posting content that's obvious so that's yeah. one of the things every day posting content and prospecting we've talked about that as well that's your purple one so you know proactively prospecting in the right way Yep. Um, and the third thing is engagement. So just, you know, getting involved in the newsfeed. So just those three things every day will help you get results. Um, the key though is not understanding what to say, how to say it, how to post content, what LinkedIn's algorithm likes, and more importantly, what your end prospects um, like. So it's, it's a, I'm not, you know, I'm not protective about my 15 minute a day system. The, the key that makes the difference though is the language that you use when you are prospecting 
because when you outreach, they've got to turn it into conversations with ideal people. Um, that's the, that's the, that's the magic source. That's, you know, the, the 15 minutes a day thing is not the magic source. Posting no, a piece of content everyone can do, but doing it in the right way that drives leads every single time you do it, that's the magic source. For sure. And that is something that's quite powerful that you guys can definitely, uh, if you are in the UK or anywhere that Sam's doing one of these trainings, definitely attend. I'm going to be going to it because I actually want to go through this kind of stuff with her anyway. Because, cool. yeah, I mean, it's good for me to know. Like, to give you guys an idea, even guys at my level, we go to events and courses like this because it's all about improving, keeping short, the sword sharp. And that's basically how you keep getting better and better and lead the competition in the dust. Now, one of my favorite questions that, because I've only just realized how long we've been on, which is kind of incredible. Um, one of my favorite questions to ask on the show always comes down to inspirational pieces that you have. So I'm going to tailor this a little bit better. So I'm going to ask the question, are you a huge fan of like fictional works, like TV shows and stuff like that? Are you one of those people you're like, nope, don't do any of that? I generally don't um, get the time, although I have ADHD and my brain can be sometimes like, well, not sometimes, all the time, um, is just wired all the time. Yep. So the only time I engage with that is um, if I'm struggling to sleep after a busy day, I'll switch something fictional on or a bit crazy on that just like takes my brain away to something else and helps me to just not talk not think about work anymore so it might be that i'll so i don't engage in the news i don't engage in media i don't like Perfect. i don't spend a lot of time um like having media around me the only thing i do generally in the daytime is kind of podcasts like this i'll listen to podcasts i'll listen to audible i'll you know feed my brain with success related stuff but the only time i will engage in anything fictional or kind of a bit out there would be just to calm my brain down at night agreed okay so what is your go-to what is my go-to? Oh my goodness. Because um, I have mine. It's, it's spoiled the show for me now, but it's, it's definitely a go-to. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, generally, I'll just put something random on on Netflix. Like I'll, I generally, or I'll watch a movie or something like that. I don't really have like one thing I would always go to, but I'll just generally put something on that is, yeah, just not going to make I, anything that work. I'm very similar to you in that sense, though I do watch a lot more TV and stuff like that than people realize. And I, this is okay. So this is my reason why I'm a, I was a staunch believer that you should always fill your head with successful stuff like that all the time. But like you have ADD. Um, also, I found that whenever I stopped watching fictional works or media or stuff like when I say media, I mean like pop culture, like shows like community, Rick and Morty movies, stuff like that. The moment I stop watching stuff like that, my ability to write decreases because I actually use that as sources of inspiration for my brain to go, oh, I know how this works. I can recreate this. So it helps. Um, but for me, my go-to is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm -hmm. If I'm like having, I, I've watched that show so many times, it's like it's in the background. I can have it while I'm watching and writing. It's good. Um, but the way I actually realized it recently is lo-fi hip-hop and lo-fi music on Spotify. If I have that through my headphones, um, which I will give a huge shout out to Neurophones. They're amazing. Um, I can get way more work done. For some reason, it takes me to a place of just wanting to just do and be relaxed afterwards. So I'm not in an intense state. So my question for you is, because we're going to modify this, because uh, it was going to be, what fictional stuff do you actually watch as well? So we'll do it this way. What three movies do you reckon everyone listening should watch that you absolutely adore? Hmm. And what seven books do you recommend 
people should either listen or read to? Wow. That is a tough question. Yeah. And I um, sprung it on you. Enjoy. You did. Three movies. I'm a bit of a Shawshank Redemption fan. Yay. I only recently um, watched that again because, I, well, I, the, the weird thing is I read the book and I never actually watched the movie. And then I sat down and watched the movie after being yelled at for not watching it. It was only a couple of weeks before the show came out as well that someone, that someone yelled at me about it. Nice. Cool. Um, so I think that Pay It Forward is a really great movie. I got my kids to watch it when they were younger. That's the one with Kevin Spacey in it, right? He plays a band's victim and the little Joel, whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah. No, oh my God, I've not seen that movie since the 90s. Yeah, I love that movie. I'm just A, because I'm all about giving and paying forward. So I'm really into that. But also my son's had some struggles with bullying in school. And like, I think it's a really, like, I just think there's a lot of lessons in there for adults and kids. Yeah. Um, so I had my kids watch it when they were a bit younger. And I really, really love that. Um, I'm a big Star Wars fan. <laughs> How do I not know this? How we, have like, know uh, this? we have our own RTG2 in the office here. <laughs> oh my, how did I not know this? You and I have gotten a long way, but guys, we need to redo this podcast again. <laughs> I'm kidding. We are definitely going to do a part two, though. I love it. Yeah, no, I love, I absolutely love, it just takes me back to my childhood. And I, yeah, if I was going to choose to go to watch anything in the movies, it would probably be that. So. Are you going to go watch a new Star Wars movie next week? Of course. Oh my god! Yeah, I can't course, wait. I I hated the Last Jedi a little bit for the plot holes. I was like, God damn it, damn you! It's not a political movement. It's a it's a movie that's amazing. But yeah, no. so I, I yeah. I I think it's I I do watch a broad range of stuff. Like I, it's really hard just to pick three things. But yep, no, no, I, I I agree with you. Star Wars is definitely on my list. And one thing I'd actually, I really love watching the Avengers movies. Hmm. Just for the my story. son loves them. My my son Oscar's a yeah. If he was going to go to see anything, it'd be all the Avengers stuff. So he tends to go with his dad. But like yeah, they're cool. Yeah, definitely. All right. So what are the books then? Oh my goodness, the books. This is really hard because I have like I put up a slide on Expert Empires like the books I've read in just in the last year. There were fifty seven on the screen. I remember. It took me like an hour and a quarter just to do that one slide. Um. Oh my god. Okay, so I'm going to go with Good to Great. Great book. Collins. I'm going to go with Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'm going to go with um, The Jelly Effect. What's The Jelly Effect? How to Make Your Communication Stick. Uh, it's by a guy called Andy Bounds. Okay. And he's a friend of mine. He, his mom was um, completely blind when he was growing up, so he had to talk to her in a completely different way and he's partially blind himself so he's created a way of communicating and presenting that is different to kind of how you speak and i i love that book because i applied it when i was in recruitment and i ended up winning amazon as a client wow. just off the back of changing my the way i was pitching my idea to the client so i have a kind of fondness in my heart for that book because it helped me change my business um, big time um, one of my first kind of big multinational client through Jelly Effect. So that's a good one. Um, let me have a look up there for some inspiration. Oh, because there's so many. The Secret, I'm a big Secret fan. I do love the movie. I'm not going to lie. I love but... the movie. I watch it every month. Once a month, I watch the movie. I watch it on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah. It's one of my favorite yes. things about being on Netflix. Like, yeah. 
It's, I, it's watch, a, I watch it once a month. You know what's really weird? That's a movie that has been trashed. I like it because it's simple, but like I don't, the place that I change it is I don't believe in the, I, I don't just follow the core messaging that they have, which is like, oh yeah, if you, you know, positive mindset. I was like, great, I love that. But I also put in the hard work underneath it to make sure it gets done because that's the part that gets missed out. But you've got to feel it as well. Like you've got to feel it and believe it and not just think it. Like it's not just about thinking positive. It's like that doesn't work. Yeah. It's, yeah, you've got to take action as well and implement. But yeah, like, I mean, I'm really into kind of anything that's kind of focused on a tra- law of attraction, anything like that. Um, I did this for my team the other day. Uh, we do this thing called Fantastic Friday in my office and every Friday one person in the team has to educate the rest of the t- company on like something non-work related. That's like um, something fun. So like we've, we've got a dodgeball coach in the team. Oh, Someone who's into Reiki, crystal healing. We've got, so it's into cross stitch. Like they literally just every Friday there's something completely different. Someone played the didgeridoo and t- taught us all about the didgeridoo. So it's like really cool. So every Friday there's like a 20 minute slot in the afternoon and somebody is allocated to do their fantastic Friday. So I, I did mine on, um, I did one on like my top <laughs> top 10 books and I can't remember them all. Um, it was a few weeks ago though. Um, how many have I given you? Four? You've given me four. Okay, so, um, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm a bit of a Cardone fan, so. Cool. I know he's a bit Marmite, but for me, like be obsessed or be average. Great book. Absolutely great book. Great book. And actually he kicks my butt a lot. So when I feel like I'm, I'm like need, I just put a bit, even if it's just 10 minutes, I just put him on my audible and, um, for me, I like Eric Thomas for that. Do you? ET for me, ET just does it for me. Like if I'm having a shit day, stick on some ET, I'm like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. There's, I don't, it's so hard to pick. There's so many great books out there. Agreed. I know it's why I put you under the microscope to do this. I think the ones that like had a big impact on me. So like the jellyfish wouldn't be like one of the greatest books of all time, but it had a massive impact on me. These these are about you. That's the thing that I always tell people is that this is about you. Yeah. Um, Oh my goodness. Just listen. It's a really good book. Um, my sales coach gave me that one. Um, and I really like, it's really good. Um, and I'm also, I'm work. I, I do a lot of work with Sandler sales and Sandler sales system. And Sandler have like tons of books on this, but for me, there's, you know, um, you can't teach a, you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar is a great book. And, um, 49 Sandler rules is a great book too. So there wouldn't be my two Sandler ones. Excellent. But yeah, there's so many, honestly, I could literally rattle off. Can't hurt me by Goggins. You know what? I prefer the audio book to that. Oh yeah, I, I only did the audio. I'm like 17 hours in on 18 hours at the moment. <laughs> I hear you that. So could I give you a, could I give you a great book that I recommend to literally yes. everyone? Um, the Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. Nice. It's a 28-hour audio book. But it is a book. It took me a month and a half to go through that full book because I kept stopping and taking notes. 
because this, so for the people that are new to the show, it's not like they've not heard my love for Robert Greene. Here it is. This man is probably one of the greatest geniuses on power play, human behavior and decision-making that's ever, that's lived in our time. And I'm still trying to get him on my goddamn show, but he had a, uh, unfortunately had a bit of a stroke last year. So he's kind of like stepping back, but I'm pushing. Damn it. If more of you guys go ahead and tweet him to be on the show, I'll happily have him on because the guy's like a hero of mine. Um, it, um, it, can I give you one more? Yes, by all means, go for it. And I think it's very rich. Ah, really? Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> That's the one book I could never finish. No, I, um, and it, I was the same in the beginning, but now I've read it over and over. Like, I think it, t- it took me like seven times reading it to really get it. Noted. I'll have to do that. I'll have to like force I myself. Into I, didn't, there's a, there's, I didn't get it in the beginning and now I get it. So, but it kind of comes back to the law of attraction and all that. I'm very into all that stuff. Vision boards, like goal setting, like I'm really focused on all that stuff. So yeah. Same. It actually really works. Uh, a really good book as well as The Go-Getter by Bob Berg. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Go-Getter. I wrote Bob's- a book on a similar topic, actually. I referenced him in it. Um, I wrote a book called Give. It was my very first book called Give. That's incredible. So real yeah. quickly before we wrap up, though, I'm curious, how long does it take you to write a book? Um, I figured out my current one, LinkedIn Bound, um, which is about 200 pages. Um, I think I worked out it took me 150 hours. Incredible. Also, here it is. I have it next to me, damn it. I was making notes <laughs> for myself, for my own pro- profile. I, think, I don't actually, like, I'm not, I don't really class myself, although I've written a book, like, I'm not, like the most polished writer. I just like giving really practical advice. So, yeah. I mean, I just, I like people to have, I mean, I like reading books. I'm like you, I like reading a book that gives me just, okay, tell me what to do. So when I wrote this one, I was like, right, what would I want if I was reading my own book? I would want actionable steps, practical advice, like, you know, easy to read, just easy to implement that kind of stuff. So that's kind of how I wrote. So it's just, which is perfect, really. which is Perfect. Okay, so one of my last questions I want to ask before we wrap up the podcast um, is quite simply this. We've all been in a situation, and I know personally you were in the situation up until very, like, until a year ago actually, where life essentially kicked you in the cojones and left you kind of writhing on the floor, uh, hands between your legs, rolling around, wondering what the hell you're going to do with yourself, i.e. knocking all the confidence out of you at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, your situation was powerful and crazy enough. So guys, always, always make sure there's a lawyer present. Make sure that everything's agreed upon and things can't go wrong because Sam's experience, she will tell you about that. Um, how did you get yourself back up in the confidence to go forward? Because honestly, when you're dropped that hard, I don't know about you, but there are times that I just want to give up and burn everything to the ground. Like, I just don't want to continue. But I know I always find a way to move forward. So I'm asking you, what did you do? And what do you do when you come across those moments? Um, I think it's just years and years of investing in me in terms of personal development. Because I think when you spend so much of your life kind of, and not just time, but investment as well, like really focusing on building your mindset. um, I think you can cope with whatever comes your way if you've built up a strong mindset. So I've probably spent, I don't know, eight, nine years investing in me, thousands mm-hmm. of pounds of seminars, workshops, books, or everything, everything I put into my head over the last eight, nine years um, allowed me to just 
pick myself up and dust myself off and just go again. One of my best mentors ever um, in a previous life, basically he said to me, you know, his, his favorite quote was, um, not, get knocked down seven times, stand up eight. Mm-hmm. And that just stuck in my head. It was like, you've been knocked down again. You've got to go again. You've got to get up. And I think, I think just focusing on the reason that I started in the first place, like I have three amazing kids and I have really, really big goals for my life. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to let somebody who is a bully and somebody who came into my business and basically pushed me out of my own company, like stop me from achieving. And actually I now look back on that. Um, what happened to me, it was a hostile takeover just over a year ago. And I look back on that now and I just think that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it put so much fire in me and just give me the, gave me the kick that I needed to just really just step up and just go again. And I think just seeing my goals every day, seeing my, seeing my vision board every day, focusing forwards, not looking at failure as an enemy, like not looking at failure as something bad, but seeing as failure as a lesson. Um, and I think you should fail fast and fail often and fail forward. And it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter what shit's being thrown at you. Like if you, if you focus on the right things and focus on what you really want and focus on the big picture, um, you should just get yourself back up and just go again because it will all be all right in the end if you just believe in yourself. And I think I never lost the belief in me and I never lost the, I never lost the focus on what I really want. And I think those few things in combination are the reason why it was just so easy for me to get back up. But also I think I was surrounded by the right people. The right people were in my life at that time. And I had some amazing friends and support um, around me at the time that I needed it. And I don't, I think if I'd have been on my own and I'd been trying to tackle everything on my own, I probably wouldn't have necessarily been able to do it. But the fact that I was in, you know, a couple of great masterminds, I was in, I was working with great coaches, great mentors, and I just surrounded myself with people that were just pushing me to the next level that it was easy for me to do it. Well, it wouldn't say easy, but easier than if I was yeah. on my own. Entirely. Like no person's an island. No. And that's personally for me, that's something I always campaign towards is masterminding now. Um, I've kind of gone out of the point of where I used to think, why would anyone want to be in a mastermind to now going, I have to constantly be in one. Otherwise just shit falls by the wayside. I'm not a huge fan of it. But that being said, guys, go out there, reach out to Sam Rathling. Her LinkedIn is in the description below. If I remember correctly, it's Sam Rathling hyphen LinkedIn expert. Is that your... Yeah, so. Oh my God, I just totally memorized that as well, by the way. I don't have anything in front of me. I was just like, did I get that right? I got that right. It's fine. Um, you just search my name in LinkedIn. You'll find me. And just whenever you do connect with me, just message to say you've heard me on this podcast because then it gives me a, a good way for you to know how you came across me, so... Exactly, because trust me, being added by random people is fun. But when you know where they're from, it's a little bit easier because you have it's like inside jokes. It's much easier to connect with somebody, especially and if I know you've listened to all of this as well. Then it's it's cool for me to. And then you're like, I can be myself again. Yay! <laughs> uh, I'm always also, myself. I know, but some people don't actually always do that, which is always the thing. Also, check out her YouTube channel as well. Uh, if you guys just go check out Sam Rathling on YouTube, you will find her on there fairly quickly and as always guys it's been an absolute pleasure having you here on the show we've been steamrolling through season six like crazy uh and i can't wait to bring you some more crazy stuff over the second half of the year sam thank you so much for doing this i appreciate you thank greatly you for having me. i'm so glad that it has been guys go check out linkedinbound.co.uk and samrathling.com 
get linked inbound as the book. Trust me, it will save you so much time and hassle. Just go check it out. Um, and most importantly, as always, please rate, share, subscribe, tell people about this show. The more people we get on, the better. The more people who get told about this, the better, because hey, you never know what could come out, come out of it. And if you want to be on the show, email me, because I'd love to have you on if you're fun. All right, guys, take care. Have an amazing day. Sam, thank you again for being here. I'll see you guys next week.